Five o'clock on the Blitz. Work is over. It's time to let that bird fly. Free that bird, boys. Tulsa, happy Monday. Hope everyone had a great weekend. It is another episode of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I am Colby Daniels, along with the birthday boy and the 2023 Oklahoma Sportscaster of the Year, Jeremy Poplin, Scott File on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio, and we say hello to John Holcomb on this Monday. John, my friend, hope you had a great weekend. What is happening this afternoon? Oh, I did have a good weekend, but not even close as to the last, uh, I don't know, 48 hours that, uh, well, sorry, let me add to the 48 hours ever since it was known that he he's the uh, 2023 Oklahoma Sportscaster <laughs> of the Year. You so, so now listen, so you, Pop has that. Uh, he's, he's turned 29 again. Yes. Uh, My daughter said 24. Well, let me clarify better. that. So yeah. I, I don't know how I don't know how this happens. He probably needs one of those body scans because I'm sure in the first half yesterday you aged and felt like you were about 90 on your deathbed, and then back to being rejuvenated. And you then, know that scene you, from I, uh, Saving Private Ryan with Matt Damon where it shows him in his young, and then he ages to the old man. That was me after the first half. Well, but then <laughs> so so then it all ends up well, and then the I'm pretty sure you have something to do with the weather today. Normally we associate that with the man with the mustache upstairs. Yeah, but no, I mean this is. Does it get any more? It, it, look, you you might just think about shutting it down just completely. Oh, I know right it doesn't now. get any better than this right now. Yeah, it's it trust me, it'll it'll be after midnight tonight, it will be all Holy cow. downhill from sure. What Colby, what's the first thing I sent you this morning when you said happy birthday? You talk about the weather, I sent him the rascals, it's a beautiful morning. <laughs> it's a beautiful morning. <laughs> yes. And I laughed cuz I was like this guy is living it. Up. Uh Hey, real quick before we dive into Oklahoma State, because we had a tweet about it over the weekend. Yes, we did. See, people do listen. Uh, the Tony Romo gym counter was in, I think, everyone's head. And the tweet was talking about listening to you and Dave on the broadcast. And every time you said Dave, a listener that heard us talking about the gym counter was laughing about it. So what did do you remember what number you picked on the over under on Friday? When I said, do you have a prediction? Do you think he'll go over? Did we set it at like 33 or something? Yeah, we set it at 33 because then I said, well, if it's a close game, I'm, he's going way over. Uh-huh. If, if, it's, uh, if it's a blowout, no, I'd take the under. Okay. The first half. Let me just say, the first possession, he had six gyms in the first possession. Okay? And at the end of the first half, my man was up to 28. We finished with a grand total of 42 gyms oh in the broadcast on Sunday. Oh, boy. 42. So we almost hit the over in the first half. I know that you were at least intrigued in that. So if we just, we have decided we're going to split it in the middle. Let's just call it like 37, 37 and a half for the over for the Super Bowl broadcast. Oh, that, that dude's going to be so jacked up. <laughs> Yes. You can't set a number high enough for someone to take the under. <laughs> you can't. Oh, but, gosh. Okay, so 
so now with the OSU broadcast, now it's on my mind so much because we <laughs> talked about it. I'm sorry, by no, the way. No, listen, no, <laughs> because it's, it's, a, it's a reminder because just like Scott, what's our what's our favorite non-question question? Talk about. See, just like that, that gets in your head. It, it's just one of those things. It's It's probably a good reminder. I may have said Dave while making a point on purpose okay. once or twice. That's, that's awesome. Maybe to push, Don't make me do it. a Dave counter on yeah. you. <laughs> the broadcast. I, I may have done that on purpose a couple of times, but then I also caught myself, and it, it was in the middle of a, get an updated stat sheet at timeouts, and it's almost like to emphasize the point, you have to say your broadcast partner's name. Mm-hmm. But as I'm doing it, I'm going, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> so then there's like this awkward pause. It felt like it to me. It was probably a second and a half, maybe. Like I had to clear my throat and just hit the, just like that and, and hit the cough button. Yes. <laughs> um, and, then, and then you just kind of, okay. It, it's unnecessary except that it sometimes feels like you're letting the listeners in on your own personal conversation, so there's even more of a one-on-one yeah, kind of connection. Yes, but but if if all you're doing is saying the name, saying his name, and it's it can be a crutch. Boy, is it! <laughs> be glad your partner's name isn't Crutch. Yes. Uh, that was a uh, much much needed, and I maybe I'm completely wrong on this. I felt like for the first time in a while. That there was a a sense of joy, and I think that that goes a long way. Besides learning how to finish, in even moments in that game where you're like, "Is this going to go the exact same way that it's that it's been going?" Like around the five minute mark, Colby had mentioned that. But I, I, John, I, I admittedly, I, I out loud when uh, I forgot who it was hit the three right at the five minute mark to make it like a six or seven point game. Out loud, I said, "Game over." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you hate to be that way, but that's what you right. have to go off of. Yeah. But just the joy that you could kind of sense in Boyton, almost like a sense of relief, and to do it in in the moment that and the game that he's called the most important game of the season, which is the remember, remember the ten game. I could be wrong on this, but I think that was pretty big for them. Very big, uh, you know, especially for the young guys, the ones who haven't hadn't figured out how to. What, what exactly needs to happen down the stretch to give yourself a chance, the best chance to win. I'm not saying it didn't mean as much to, say, Javon Small, who hadn't tasted Big 12 success until Saturday either. But as much as anything, it's, it's a validation to a great degree that what the, the improvement you're seeing from especially the young guys in practice despite the losing streak it is taking hold to some degree. Now, I know you could be out there and be a glass half empty person and say, uh, hey, it's West Virginia, you know, but of course, but you, you did a pretty good job on their most dynamic guy in uh, Raquan Butler. But you have to start somewhere, right? Right. You do. And they were giving you problems from three. Kirk Creasa was the one that it's a good thing that Kirk Creasa had a boneheaded foul to pick up his third like 35 feet from the basket earlier because then his margin for error slipped because he was a very confident player Saturday. But other than that, yeah, you you, you just keep working, you keep grinding at it and everything, and you come up with the right decisions and the shots falling at the right times, and especially on, on what that Saturday means, what that day means every year. 
Um, you know, they're, they're guys who are listening, paying attention, wanting to get better and getting better under Coach Boynton, and that is one reason why you got this com- combination of joy and relief at the same time. John, I've I've been to a handful of of those games on on that Saturday, and I I've felt like some may look at it as it, it adds more pressure because you want to you know you you want to you want to win on that day specifically, right? I've I've always kind of felt the opposite. I've always felt like it's a pressure reliever because I've always felt like it kind of puts things into perspective to a degree. Not that you know basketball isn't important, but I think you just kind of refocus priorities and things of that nature. And I've I've always felt like you know you you honor the ten and you you just you know you, you understand what it is every single year and how many people were impacted by it and and. You know, you, you love how Oklahoma State does this every year. To me, that I always feel a sense of lifting pressure off the shoulders when uh, on that particular Saturday, at least. Well, it does kind of refocus your priorities in life, but it also, to your point, Colby, it simplifies what you should be focusing on while you're playing. Because part of the message that Mike Boynton has passed along to his players each year to make sure that they understand the history of the program and they understand how important and how tragic that moment was 23 years ago, um, you the, the best way you can honor those families and the program and the fans who've shown up is by playing as hard as you can and as smart as you can for 40 minutes. That, that kind of simplifies it. I mean, if you if that's part of the message, then it's it's not about we have to win or we're a failure. You know what I mean? It's right. it's it's more right. about how do you and what do OSU basketball fans appreciate the most? They appreciate great defense, great effort more than anything else, maximum effort for forty minutes, and playing hard and making good decisions. And for the most part, Saturday they did all of those things and they ended up with a win. Thought that they hit. Shots in key moments. It wasn't just the volume of like what they're doing down the stretch, which was much better, but just in moments where it felt like it would teeter one way or the other and completely cut off any hope that West Virginia had had. I mean, the three that that small hit was massive with what, like 58 seconds left. And one, first of all, how did that dude grab 12 boards? Because that was <laughs> that was phenomenal. But it was just in the moments. It was like they grew up in front of us with with timely shots yes sharing the basketball and uh but making sure that small had it in his hands to do whatever with it whether it was going to be score or distribute or whatever you know making sure that you didn't get yourself into a weird rotation to where someone who's not going to be as efficient with the ball is having to make a play at the end of the shot clock you know you look back too to taking advantage of open court opportunities when they pushed it up um, a little bit before Small hit that three, and you get it out to Eric Daly and freshman near midcourt seeing the floor and finding Bryce Thompson in the corner. You know, it had been a tough day for Bryce, not able to find a whole lot of space, but then when he did find the space, he did make a huge shot there and, and gave him a one-point lead. But, yes, Small playing with confidence, and I think I mentioned this Friday after Tuesday night's loss to uh, TCU, we had him on the post game, and you kind of wonder what's going on through a guy's head when he comes in, and this is his first shot at playing Power Five basketball, and he really wants to do well, and it's been a tough go. 
because teams have made him the focus of their scouting report, tried to shut him down, and have been successful in forcing more turnovers. And then he plays really well against TCU, and they don't come out with a win. Just kind of wondered where his headspace was. And when he came on, I know I shared this with you on Friday, He what he said made Dave and me feel really good about, okay, he is totally locked in still and eager to continue to get better with this team. And another step forward on that on uh, on on Saturday. And it's not going to be easy the rest of the way. It never is. But to know that you're more than a third of the way through the conference schedule now and he is playing probably his best basketball of the year last in the last week to see if he can take it on the road. It was a big game for Brandon Garrison, uh, especially given the last couple outings and, and obviously giant expectations for him coming into the year. I think you mentioned during the broadcast on the first possession something about his rebounding positioning being a good sign uh, on Saturday. And, you know, obviously it turned into uh, his arguably best game of the season. Um, I, you've been kind of hinting that things were coming along with him. I mean, what type of, of maybe speed up in the process was was this outing well i you know you hope that it is something that maintains more of that level and that you're not riding a roller coaster like you do with a lot of freshmen it's just part of the process because you need him active and engaged is really active engaged and physical though those are the things you need from brandon garrison because um when he's at his best he is shots go up he's either finding a body if he's on the defensive end to try to get his man off the glass or he's fighting for that offensive rebounding position um and when he is you know he's he's getting a little better in the low post and we'll see how teams defend him if he continues to have success you know if it's uh as coach Barry Henson was talking with Dave and me during a timeout Saturday is it going to be West Virginia? You wait for him to put it on the deck the second time in the low post, and then you get you run another guy at him. How does he respond to that? Or are teams going to continue to play him relatively straight up and uh, just say, we don't think you can beat us? When Brandon gets the ball in the low post, just for an example, and when he gets it, if he takes one step backward out of the post, if it's a one-on-one situation – that's not a good sign most of the time unless teams are overplaying the wings so much that he's going to find somebody cutting back door for a layup. But you, what you would prefer him to have is when he gets it in the low post, he goes ahead and gets his balance into the defender and then puts it on the floor, makes a quick jab one way or the other, and to see which way that big man is going to guard him. He needs to maintain that aggressiveness. And it's not just on the offensive end of the floor. It's on the defensive end, too. But he also, and Coach Boynton kind of told us this off the air in pregame, um, it's one of those freshman things that, look, the hard work is every day that ends in Y. It's not selected days during the week. You're going to get a day off because the NCAA says you have to have a day off, but it is every day you've got to bring that, and it's got to be at that level for him that he showed against Baylor and then again Saturday. You had mentioned the ball movement and sharing of the basketball. Uh, it didn't feel stagnant over significant stretches of time, and I thought the effort that they made 
uh, not only to get it uh, more actively involved in the paint, and they outscored West Virginia in the paint. That's the first time in conference play that that has happened, uh, I think, by four. Uh, but the ball never really seemed to like stick anywhere for a significant period of time. And yeah. I, I think that was probably one of the big takeaways from from Saturday. It's huge. It's huge, and it's it's having the right guys making good decisions on the perimeter to get it going too. You know, um, you've gone to this lineup, especially you saw more of the smaller lineup. Like when Garrison wasn't in the game, Daly moves to the five when he comes in, which can be a matchup problem for most other teams. Say, for instance, tomorrow night when they go into Allen Fieldhouse, which they're going to have to play the best game of the season, no question about it, especially given what Kansas has been through recently. They're going to be really focused and really angry. Uh, but how does Kansas decide to guard Daly when Daly's at the five if Dickinson's in the game or will Bill self-counter by saying, we'll go small too because we think we're better than you when you're small and maybe puts K.J. Adams on it. Completely different type of thing because if it's Dickinson – then let's see how far out he goes to try to guard Daly because Eric likes to catch it, free throw line extended, near the top of the key sometimes, and he's got the ability to put it on the floor and then go toward the basket. That makes him a dangerous type of player. But um, when you have that smaller lineup too, the ball movement tends to be a little bit better. Yeah, And that's nothing against Garrison because he's a very good passer to the point to where he's learning more about the balance of him looking for someone or him doing it himself. The more he does it himself, based on what he was doing early in the season, the better he is. I don't think getting a win necessarily like erases some of the deficiencies, but it can maybe unlock some of the hurdles, right? And and make them lesser just because of the mental block that ultimately uh, happens when you're not winning. Um, so in, in that way, where, where are maybe some of those hurdles that, that just getting a win and getting some confidence could, could ultimately be highlighted the most? Well, the guys have bounced in their step. You could see it even after that game. They, they just, you know, maybe some of the older guys have been through it before, like, okay, finally, you know, and there is a little bit of that, but I think as much as anything else, it's, it's proof. Like we were mentioning, it's proof back to them that, Hey, you know, this hard work thing every day of the week, that. That can help, and it helped. You know, it it helped today. I had a weird feeling about that game Saturday from this standpoint, and I don't think Dave or I, either one of us, had a great feeling going into it that that this is the day it stops, this is the day you get a win. But I had, as strange as this may sound, I had this concern that, like in a couple of games, including TCU, for example. I was a little leery of the Cowboys getting out to a great start and building a big lead because they've been down that road before. I was almost more comfortable with the I was more comfortable with the way it played out that they didn't go up by 16 or 17. They didn't have to try to rebound after the opponent had rallied. Uh they actually kept it within striking distance even though Kreisa was hitting threes and Slazinski was hitting threes. Um I I actually felt better about okay this thing going back and forth and never getting more than about six either way in terms of a lead, that's where I felt more comfortable that they would be able to get it done. You mentioned you kind of made reference there to Kansas and what they've been through. Four and three, worst start ever in conference play under Bill Self. Now, those are on the road too, as Colby uh, pointed out, but Boynton won 17-18 and then got pretty close last year. I mean, there have been some moments where – 
it's been closer than what you would expect. But I, I'm like you. I'm like I'm worried about how irritated or <laughs> angry that Kansas is coming back home to the friendly confines where, you know, they just struggle with getting calls and everything else at home, John, you know. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> struggle mightily Pop, with that. What are you doing to me, Pop? What are you doing? Uh, no, I, I, I will say this. That they the, never get the benefit of the doubt. The, the phrase unbridled ferocity is going through my head, <laughs> yes. getting ready for tomorrow night. Uh, because, uh, look, they, you have to expect they're going to come out shot out of a cannon tomorrow night. But there are certain things that are are common denominators in the Cowboys' success, whether they've won there or whether they've had a chance to win late there. And it doesn't change. You're going to have to make jump shots. You're going to have to make a lot of jump shots. You're going to have to make your share of threes. Now, the good thing about this team is they can shoot and they can make threes. Um, and, and they've been more of a jump-shooting team anyway. But you can't totally get away from trying to get to the rim. Yeah, I mean, that's... The, it kind of sounds like I'm trying to cover every base here, but but there is that balance against Kansas. You have to make jump shots in Lawrence. It's just that way um, because very few teams go in there and rough up Kansas on their home floor and keep all of their roughest guys on the floor without fouling out. Uh, but that both times the Cowboys have won in there, once under Travis Ford with, with – uh, uh, Marcus Smart, and then Mike Boynton's first year. Lindy Waters made a lot of jump shots. Um, and, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm thinking of him right now, the point guard, and I, his name is escaping me. Kendall, uh, oh, man, I hate that I can't remember this. Anyway, he had a couple of big buckets late, came in from California. Um, anyway, you, you have to maximize your efficiency on the offensive end and, boy, your defensive transition has to be elite. And, obviously, that was one of the huge things that was not in that category the first time the two teams met two weeks ago. What do the analytics say Oklahoma State should do tomorrow night, John? What would Dan Campbell do if he were coaching this team? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, what would you classify as a fourth down in college <laughs> basketball? Where, where does that come up? Does it, does it mean that uh, you, you come down and say you've missed your last 10 threes, you go ahead and shoot 10 more threes on the next, next 10 possessions? I don't know. Uh, I, I, think, I, I do think it falls into that. Are, are you going to shoot more free throws than Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse? I don't have any of the stats in front of me. I don't know any of the recent box scores. I don't know the last time a team, and maybe it's happened this year, I don't know the last time a team has gone into Lawrence and shot more free throws than Kansas. I could see it happening this way if Kansas has made a bunch of threes and hasn't had to rely on free throws. But if it's not one of those type of games, I bet maybe you could count on one hand the number of times an opponent has shot more free throws in Allen Fieldhouse than Kansas in the last 10 years. Is it Kendall Maybe. Smith? Kendall Smith. That's exactly who Cal State yes. Northridge. Yes. Yeah. He made some big plays down the street. So, so you have to, I guess part of that formula, too, is you have to have a guy that you don't know would be capable of big plays in that big an environment to make a few. John, always appreciate it, my friend. We will catch up again tomorrow and talk more about the analytics of this matchup inside the fog. <laughs> yes. Hey, by the way, I meant to bring this up before I got out of here. Was it really, did you feel like fate, Pop, when none other than Malcolm Rodriguez picked off Brock Purdy, much like he did when they were at Iowa State and he ran it back and sealed a game for OSU? <laughs> um, I can't tell you what fell out of my mouth uh, when I saw that. <laughs> 
I was really angry until I saw they actually got pressure on him and hit Purdy's arm because uh-huh. I thought that that was just one that he, you know, YOLO and threw over the middle. But I felt a little bit better. I was happy for Malcolm. Yes. Um, I was happy for the Oklahoma State family in that moment. I, I was not a happy camper in that moment personally. But, yeah, it did kind of – it did remind you that. And it also shows you as well some of the depth uh, that Detroit has because, you know, they spent that draft pick on Malcolm – and now they've got two really good linebackers in front of him, and Malcolm has struggled even getting on the field. He converted a fullback for crying out loud, yep. uh, and has been playing both. But I thought, under the circumstances, stepped in and played oh, pretty yeah. well yeah, for was, even outside of the interception. He was solid. Hey, Colby, um, nothing now in this man's world but sunshine and sixty degree temperatures <laughs> until the eleventh of February. Yeah, and, until until Thanos until. <laughs> Uh, the Grim Reaper wearing a 15 jersey comes in with that hanging over his shoulder. And By the way, I never expected the Grim Reaper to sound like that, but that's what the Grim Reaper yeah. would like, Did he sound. ask, why are there so many songs about rainbows? Did he do that? <laughs> he can do that song yeah. in that voice. There's no doubt. That's great. John, we'll catch up tomorrow, my friend. Sounds good. Before we get out of here, uh, Pop, I know that uh, you're going to send us into break and head out the door. So uh, one last time, I want to wish you a happy birthday, my friend. Oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, I appreciate that. And uh, it is my birthday today, so celebrating, uh, you know, my not quite mid-40s yet. My daughter called me 24, so that I've at least got that working for me. But, yes, a lot of us in kind of this age range right now might be feeling a little bit more tired, a little bit more lethargic. Uh, And you've probably heard about TRT. Well, Kraft Men's Clinic is pioneering a new version of TRT, which is testosterone replacement therapy that's dedicated to improving uh, your life, your health and well-being. And 2024 is the perfect year to really dive into this and take this uh, seriously. It's founded on the principles of convenience, accessibility and personalized care. And they're kind of pioneering the telehealth service specializing in TRT. The difference between Kraft and everyone else is that you get a free consultation with your doctor. So to begin your journey, no cost initial consultation. You speak directly with a licensed physician to discuss your health concerns and the treatment options. And this is a more personalized approach that's going to ensure that your specific needs are addressed from the very get-go. So uh, you can go schedule your appointment online, craftmensclinic.com. You can also receive the necessary tests delivered directly to your home from the website. It's a streamlined process that eliminates the need for in-person visits, saving you time and hassle. Oh, and the other good thing, too, is that this is more affordable. It's cheaper than in-person clinics. So you can benefit from a more providable or more affordable healthcare solution that uh, Craft Men's Clinic is going to provide for you. Check them out online, craftmensclinic.com. Go there now and read the testimonials. It will tell you everything that you need to know because they are dedicated to enhancing men's health and wellness and what a better time to do it than right now at craftmensclinic.com.